Welcome to Tanakh Daily, a Congregation Ahavas Torah initiative. Today, we begin Shmuel Bet. Very exciting. As I've noted, this is really a seamless continuation of Shmuel Aleph, and if I was dividing Shmuel into two sections, I would have made this parak the last unit of Shmuel Aleph, because it continues to focus on Shaul, and particularly Shaul's death whereas Shmuel Bet is really about what happens in the wake of Shaul's death. It's about the rise, eventually, of David HaMelech. You could argue to the contrary. Let's just dive into the parak. I'll leave that for you to consider. Parak opens with David getting word of Shaul's death. David himself has just returned from a very successful campaign routing a band of marauding Amalekites, when an Amaleki man, interestingly enough, comes bearing uh, the signs of exhaustion, looking disheveled, and he falls on his face in, in front of David and tells him the terrible news. B'nai Israel has suffered a great defeat at the hands of the Plishtim. Shaul is dead, and Yonatan is dead as well. David asks, how does he know this information? And he explains, this uh, Amaleki man explains that he chanced upon them, very loaded word in the context of an Amaleki, he chanced upon Shaul in his last moments after Shaul had fallen on his own spear. And Shaul asked this man to put an end to his misery and to kill him. And the man complies and kills Shaul. And then this man says that he took the crown and the bracelet from Shaul and now he presents it to David. Hearing this, David and his men tear their clothing, they weep, and they mourn bitterly. David tells the Amaleki man, how dare you not be afraid to admit to having killed Shaul, the anointed of Israel. And David then puts this man to death. And the parak concludes with David's famous lament for Shaul and Yonatan with the refrain, Eich naflugi borim, oh, how, how the mighty have fallen. Now, there's a critical question that should be bothering us right now. How do we square the details of this parak, of the account of the Amaleki man, with the details presented to us in last parak? Last parak, we heard about Shaul telling his arms bearer to kill him, and when the arms bearer did not comply, Shaul fell on his own sword. But now we hear a whole new story, one that does not include anything about an arms bearer. Now, Shaul falls on his spear, not a sword this time, interestingly, it's a spear, we'll talk about that in a moment, and then, having apparently not finished the, the job, so to speak, having not sufficiently uh, harmed himself such that he, he, his life has been taken, he now turns to the Amaliki man, who is the one who ultimately puts Shaul out of his misery. How do we fit these two accounts together? There are, as far as I can tell, two answers, each of which have really interesting uh, implications. The one, the first answer is to say that what the Torah is doing here, what the Sefer, rather, is doing here, is uh, something that we see oftentimes throughout Tanakh, and that is that you get multiple accounts of the same story, and they are complementary. You're meant to put them together. So what does that mean? It means that what happened, what was recorded in last Perek did indeed happen. Shaul was perhaps struck by an archer. He was slowly dying. He turns to the arms bearer to put him out of his misery. The arms bearer doesn't do so. So Shaul falls on his own sword. And then what we don't know is that Shaul doesn't even complete the task and, and, and take his life and, uh, and is still suffering and then turns to the Amaleki man. And we just didn't hear about that before. 
That's how we might put these stories together. If that's the case, we then have to ask, well, why doesn't last parak give us all of the details? And I'd suggest, and this is a, a follow-up on what we discussed uh, in the last parak, and that is that last, uh, last parak was written in a way that's meant to make us feel sympathetic to Shaul. And so certain details are omitted. The fact that Shaul is killed by an Amaliki man doesn't make us feel sympathetic. It makes us think that Shaul got exactly what he deserved. He strayed from God. He did not kill all of the Amaliki people. And so ultimately, Mida Kenegan, Mida measure for measure, he is killed by an Amaliki man who survived. That doesn't make us feel sympathetic. It makes us feel like Shaul got precisely what he deserved. And so last Perak, giving us a more emotional and sympathetic and tragic account, does not reveal that piece of information. There's another detail that Last Parak withholds, and that is that Shaul falls on his own spear. Last Parak used the term sword. Perhaps you could say that's kind of a generic term for, for weapons. The Amalekite, though, tells us now that he fell on his spear. And that again, that image of Shaul falling on his own spear in particular, makes us think that Shaul got exactly what he deserved, because Shaul used his spear to try and kill David on multiple occasions. And so the image of him falling on that very spear makes us think, okay, Shaul got precisely what he deserved. And that is, that's true. But the point of last parak, the thrust, the emotional angle was, was that of, uh, of a sympathetic perspective towards Shaul. And so those details are withheld. And now we get these details from the Amaleki as he delivers them to David. So if, in fact, we, we, we view the Amaleki presentation here in a complementary fashion, so we are now kind of given an insight into the, the artistry of uh, the kind of literary artistry of how this is presented to us in two different waves, because initially it's, it's trying to render a certain image and trying to evoke a certain emotion as we read the tragic death of Shaul, and that's why certain details are withheld, which is, uh, I think, a, a very compelling and uh, a, a, pretty uh, interesting and insightful and compelling uh, way of thinking about this account. There is another way to deal with the Amaleki's uh, account here and to explain how it uh, differs from last pack, and that is, I think, a radically different answer, and that is to say that this man, this messenger, the bearer of bad news, this Amaleki individual, is not a reliable narrator. He thinks that David is going to be overjoyed by Shaul's death and that he will curry favor with the presumed next king of Israel by firstly writing himself into the story and taking credit for Shaul's death. He thinks that's going to impress David. And then he delivers David these royal ornaments. This is meant to... to uh, impress David and for, for David to be overjoyed and then to reward him uh, with, uh, with a great reward. That's his expectation. Certainly looks better also than saying, I, I, found, I came to the battle after, uh, after Shaul's death and, I, and I, I robbed him of his ornaments, right? So he kind of writes himself into this story. But he is deeply mistaken. David shocks this Amaleki man by sincerely mourning Shaul's death. And to the Amaliki's surprise, and frankly, to the reader's surprise, I'll speak for myself, David puts this man to death. At first, you read it and you're like, wait, David, this guy was faithful to you. He's loyal. He's just, he's just a messenger. Why are you killing him? 
and he, he, he kind of mercy killed Shaul. How could you put this person to death? But once you realize that he is skewing the story because he simply wants to, uh, to curry favor with David because he thinks David's going to be overjoyed by this information, uh, you realize how perverse this individual was, how immoral this Amaliki man was. David, of course, emerges with this pristine uh, sense of morality and integrity, and that's why he puts this man to death. The Amaliki man is an opportunist. He's trying to do something that is politically, personally expedient, and he grossly underestimates David's character. As he not only, David, not only mourns the death of his beloved Yonatan, but he even sincerely mourns the death of Shaul himself. That's it for today. Chazak ve'ematz and happy learning.